If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. <laughs> We've been on. I'll delete the How incriminating. How much of this conversation is going to end up on the internet? You'll have to pay to find out. Oh, well done. <laughs> With that little segue, we are talking about doing Patreon. Yes. So if pay, you, pay, pay. Yeah. <laughs> or Actually, not. you get a lot back for what we would, you know, right. like what you would decide to donate to help us out. So that'd be good. Yeah. So we are playing with that. Of course, you know, we went to PodX. So now we think we know, at least I think I know all the things about. <laughs> now we think we know everything. everything. <laughs> now we know all of the secrets. Um, no, but something, I mean, we have actually a lot of content that I haven't even put online yet, mm-hmm. simply because there's a lot. And I'm thinking that um, this would be a great place to do that at Patreon. And it'd be like three bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And um, you get all the extras and any extra conversations that we have afterwards. Because it's usually after we wrap up that we really start discussing, like, what we think about what we say. Oh, yeah. And be we a little can more have, like, 30-minute conversations oh, after the show. Easily, right? Um, so look for that happening soon. Of course, it's not going to stop what we've currently been doing. But just for that extra, a little extra support. Simply because we have been traveling and we are going to continue to travel. Woo-hoo! and Bought new equipment. So, you know. Oh. <laughs> don't we sound pretty <laughs> also um i don't really have any post-mortems from the last show uh but it was really interesting and i didn't know this because after i did the witchcraft or the witch trial um the first one from north carolina i started seeing all this stuff in my social media about the salem witch trials and it happened on june 10th Um, which was like the 367th anniversary of Bridget Bishop being hanged at the Salem Witch Trial. So I started seeing a bunch of like, you know, anniversaries because I think the mayor of Salem, um, Massachusetts, actually like proclaimed it um, an official day there. (laughs) It's official witch hanging day. Right. Um, We're sorry. (laughs) Yeah, we're sorry. (laughs) 367 years later. But um, so that was kind of weird coincidence that happened. And um, there are no coincidences, Patrice. I know. It was a leading. It was a leading. It was a psychic leading. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then the only other thing is we have T-shirts for sale. And I said I was going to put it up on all social medias, and I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't. I offered it to our fan club. Join the fan club. So if you don't know, our fan club is a Facebook group. Uh, you just have to, like, intentionally go there and ask to be a part and we'll let you in and again a little bit more candor a little bit more funny things fun people fun people people. first offers um good friends good times exactly so you know if you want to talk about strange crazy stuff and there's been some strange crazy stuff already posted up there oh yeah um 
So come join that. And you, I don't have the address, but you can find it on our Facebook page. And you can find it by just going to um, our website as well. I think And I it's uh, Fans of the Strange South podcast, I think, if you search that on Facebook. Right. It should be pretty, pretty easy to find. Mm-hmm. We'll put the links on the website mm-hmm. where it's like in neon lights. You'll be able to find it. <laughs> so we do have T-shirts left. Um direct message us if you would like a t-shirt we are sold out of the mediums and the large first to go the Um, larges were almost sold out when we even started correct (laughs) everybody wants a large everybody wants a large we still have extra small small extra large to xl cool and they're very comfortable nice really are quality (laughs) t-shirts so get you some that's going to be like the last run of that design that we will probably do because i'm already like have my sights on doing a two-color process next. Oh, my God. I know. Getting busy bee. Fancy. <laughs> so many things. So many things. Um, and that's basically all I have for pre-show. I have I have post-show. something. Okay. I have to just tell you this because Do when it. we... Um, okay, so we're, we're now... We used to record, like, and then release the same day. And, um, and we... With PodX happening the way that it did, we got a week ahead, which is spectacular because right. now if something happens, you know, we have backups and stuff like that. But I keep on getting confused as to what you guys have heard last when we start talking. <laughs> um, but I think at this point, you guys have heard our last two shows, so that's good. But the, the PodX show, the live show that we did, Patrice, you know, is the one that Patrice talked about snake handling. And I swear to God, I meant to say this last time we recorded... When you first started talking and telling that story, I was waiting for you to tell the story of when you saw the snake as a kid. Have you told that story on the air before? Because you talked about like you grew up and you saw the snakes, and this is the one where you said you were flying your mom. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I, was I like, did kind of you mention have that to because tell the story. <laughs> okay, so I did mention that I stepped on the snake. Yes, you said that. Right. So um, I grew up in the country. I was a country girl. My parents had this huge well. My grandparents owned like 20 acres of, and we used to call it the country, right? Mm-hmm. We already live in like on suburbs, like small town suburbs, but you know, a couple of miles out and it was like going over a wooden, like honest to God, wooden bridge to get to the country mm-hmm. where my grandparents had this land. And so they used to grow, my mom and dad had these huge gardens, like probably an acre and they would like till up the soil and do corn and all okra and squash all the southern you know things that grow here everything we eat during the summer everything we eat during the summer and so I would always like I spent my summers out in the garden playing in the mud playing with the water hose and there we had like little ponds on this property too and um one of my favorite things and still kind of favorite thing to do is to go out and go tadpoling and to like, you know, crawfish and minnows and just try to capture it. I just, I don't know. I like playing with like little squirrels. Oh my God. <laughs> Hold on. Let me write that down. <laughs> Name over sex tape, right? <laughs> oh my God. Okay, but no, I mean, I just like, I like catching. I love fishing. I love doing stuff like that. That's like always been something fascinated with. So we had these screens from an old house and I would just like scoop them into um, this lake and there would be crawfish and minnows and tadpoles and all this other stuff. And so I was going to do that, but it was like later in the day, it was getting dusk and 
where this property was, there was a slough that went through the middle of it. So this is like lowland, swampy area of like stream that went through the middle of the property. And it was swampy. It was Mississippi swamp, Mm -hmm. snaky as hell. (laughs) Um, And so I'm walking barefoot because I didn't wear shoes pretty much for 15 years of my life. (laughs) And I... um, I was walking through this huge, like, uh, patch of just tall, you know, the grain-looking stuff. Uh, it was like, it hadn't been bush-hauled yet, and it was just like this big field, and I walked through it barefoot, and it was like a little, like, I was being careful. My feet were already tough, but I was kind of being careful, and my mom, like, halfway through the field, my mom yells at me. She sees me walking. She's like, watch out for snakes. I'm like, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. and so I'm like, okay, so I'm like, do-do-do-do-do-do, <laughs> and about 10, 15 feet from the um, lake or the little pond's edge, and I can remember, like, even the sun, like, what angle of the sun. It was getting, like, real <laughs> down low. And all of a sudden, I feel something under my foot. And I look down, and I had snuck up on a snake and stepped on its tail. And instead of coming over and biting me, which it had every right to do, <laughs> I freaked it out. And so it flipped over and played dead. which that was like the first time I've ever heard of a snake doing that. But I just remember like seeing the snake's underbelly after I'd stepped on it and me going, fuck snake. (laughs) (laughs) So, so this field that took me a good 10 minutes to walk across. (laughs) My mom says that she turned around and looked and I was literally doing like these scissor, like these huge scissors. Like she just saw my legs and my feet. Gazelle leaps she says i made it through that field like in about three bounds i literally do not remember touching the ground because i was like snakes are all over the ground i cannot touch the ground so it was like the closest i've ever come to flying and i made it i literally made across that field like in a minute like no joke and my mom said she looked up and she saw me like doing this gazelle leap she's like oh she stepped on a snake <laughs> she saw a snake well she didn't know i stepped on it she just thought i saw a snake because i was i'm terrified of snakes i mean i grew up Perfect around reason. snakes and i'm still terrified of them so that's a healthy terror it that's, is a healthy, a healthy terror. terror but yeah so that is me stepping on a snake and living to uh tell the tale which is awesome that that I didn't get bit. Uh, having read recently, a guy that was just vacationing during Memorial Day walked out his door and there was a copperhead and it mm. bit him. He died of it. No. Yeah, it was like up at Smith Lake. Oh. Yeah. So just, I mean, it's crazy, and, and you forget like how snaky like Mississippi and Alabama is. Man. Well, we were just camping this past weekend with my kids. This is the first time they've gone tent camping in like forever. And uh, when we, we were at uh, DeSoto State Park and we, we walked out on the boardwalk towards the creek, which is super low, right? It's like you can, man, it can rain like fucking Noah's Ark for however long. And then like two days of sunshine down here and it's like everything's dry. As the right. But um, so we went to DeSoto State Park and we walked there Azalea Trail and we walked down and there was this little, and it was this little rat snake, I think, that was laying on like a, a branch, but 
Randy was standing down in the creek with me and the girls and everything. And Abby's like, oh, look, a snake. <laughs> oh, God. Because that's, you know, she doesn't run. Like, no, she's, she's fascinated. She goes towards the snake. She goes towards it. And so, like, Randy's standing there with his hand resting on this other log that's sticking out. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I sent a snap of it moving to Courtney, oh. but there was no context. So, like, you know, like you put a penny next to something to see how big it is. She couldn't tell how big it was right. from the video. It was really probably only, like, maybe 14 inches long yeah and and it looks like this massive thing because it's going really slow and yeah but you know i'm i'm notoriously not careful about that kind of stuff which i really like i've seen more snakes though kayaking rat snakes like that will cross the creek in front of you and like lift their heads up out of the water like fuck y'all get out of my way right or try to catch a ride on your kayak i swear i have seen more snakes since moving like in a condensed period of time since moving to alabama than i ever did living in my little swampy mississippi yep man those and those creeks they will oh they will my just gosh hang. well anyways i just had to have <sighs> you tell that story no that. yeah funny. that is yeah that is me flying and pretty much how i still feel about snakes you'd probably see my big old ass up <laughs> and like levitating <laughs> if i stepped on a snake now <laughs> i would have the energy <laughs> to run i would just go straight up <laughs> I call on the powers of the earth to raise me. Lift me. <laughs> um, oh, and we do. We don't really have a box fan chat update this week because he's been. He's had a super busy week, but Aww. he's he's enjoyed everything he's listened to. But we we he didn't really have an update. But I I realized I never told the story of when we left the Peerless live show and we were driving away from the Peerless and, <laughs> yeah. and Courtney and Chad were, were behind us in their car and all of a sudden like. They were honking, and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with these two? And I look out the window, and, like, they've reached their arms out the windows and were, like, waving their arms in the air. And I was like, what the fuck? And we were, like, in a really good conversation, too. And we're, like, in a deep <laughs> conversation talking we about were. stuff. We were talking about and how like, just, like, starts turning around and go, what the hell? <laughs> and then, because <laughs> Courtney's here right now. She's like, ha, ha, ha. But she's, they called. She called me on the phone, and I was like, what is, what are you guys doing? And she's like, you don't have your headlights on. <laughs> and she and Chad are in there just laughing their asses off like turn your fucking headlights on I and I heard her like when you answered it I heard her going and I was like oh my god we don't have our headlights on it's because we just got in the car and left and we were like so pumped up from that show because it was such a good show we enjoyed it so much to be fair there are street lights yes, in Anniston if we had been out on my road we would have known we didn't have our headlights on but <laughs> All right, funny. so that, that'll be my replacement box fan chat segment. <laughs> Thank you, box fan chat and Courtney bartender for keeping us alive. Absolutely. Ooh. Looking out. Oh, me. I'm trying to figure out how, well. No segues. Just do it. No. I just. <laughs> what about your drinks? Oh, oh yeah. yes, Come thank on, you. Oh, drinks, sorry, bartender Courtney. Like, I'm right here. I <laughs> <laughs> worked my stuff off. Oh, so we're we're drinking the Alabama Slammer. Woohoo! Through like, the Slammer. recipe that came on this app. That what is this app that we downloaded? Oh yeah, you we found this an app great app called Cocktail Flow. Yes, Cocktail which has Flow. a premium option, which we haven't tried yet. No, but um, yeah, it was funny because Courtney was like, "You said like." You said Alabama Slammer, so I was going to do that, but like that's this is not the way I've ever done it before. <laughs> and she's like pouring all this stuff because she's making four at a time so that we can do like an act one drink and an act two drink. Yes. And she's like, this is like eight ounces of vodka, and you accidentally <laughs> brought 100 proof Southern Comfort. <laughs> I didn't, honestly. I mean, because I don't 
liquor, so I, I don't, don't liquor. I don't liquor. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> me while I write that one down. <laughs> top it off. And then she said, top it off. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. And oh. when you spell liquor Southern, it's even better. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm totally fr- lost train of thought I'm there. I'm so sorry. I'm so <laughs> no, sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know there was 100 all the way through so one of I didn't know there was I didn't like, either. That's why I didn't even right. look. I was just like, oh, look at Southern Comfort. I'll grab a bottle. <laughs> Of course, leave it up to Courtney. She's like, um, hello. What have you done? Gosh. All right. So I start today and I am going to talk about the swirling vortex (gasps) that was Lake Panier. Okay. A toilet lake? Panier. Yeah. (laughs) A toilet lake. (laughs) Shit. I just hit this thing. I didn't hear a dong. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) That's how this episode is going to go. (laughs) Wave the toilet. All right, so Lake Panier. 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 (laughs) And made up on which state we're in. So we're in. (laughs) If you can see that. We're in Louisiana. We're in Louisiana. That's because I've already like drank most of my Alabama slammer. I'm down already, by the way. Okay. So it is a fresh. (laughs) (laughs) So it is a freshwater lake um, that covers about 1,300 acres of land. So it's a pretty nice sized lake. And it's in Louisiana. It's about maybe 12, 13 miles north of the Gulf and 140 miles west of New Orleans, like straight west of New Orleans. And it is fed from the Gulf. Actually, it feeds into the Gulf from something called the Del Cam Canal, which is going to be very important in a little bit. There is a small, beautiful island that they fixed up and made into like a botanical park Ooh. called um, Jefferson Island that's in the middle of this. However, in November 20th or 21st, some say the 20th, some say the 21st, um, in 1980, there were two things that happened at the same time that caused total chaos. So there was like a salt mine uh, that was being, when they excavated, what do they do with salt? They mine, mine it. So (laughs) mining salt um, right near the lake. And actually the lake's only like 10 feet deep. So there is a salt bed that was under the lake. So since 1919, there is a salt company that was like mining salt from this area. Hmm. And... Where you have salt mines that I've recently learned, you also have um, you also have oil. So really? There'll be pockets of oil because of the way the salt. I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to give you a link. It tells you like how the oil <laughs> the and the salt, all the science behind it. It's really interesting. I love. I should have been like an engineer or something because I totally love this shit. Um, and so. While the salt mining stuff had been going on since 1919, Texaco decided to bring in a test for, like, oil around the salt mines. Well, something happened, and they were using, like, a 14-inch drill bit to go down. There was a miscalculation, 
And they, at like 1,300 feet underground, they hit one of the um, canals, the caverns, the salt shafts. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, my God. they hit a salt shaft okay um so as soon as that happened the the the, uh drill got stuck and they heard the weird sounds like it started like popping and making a weird sound and they couldn't like get the drill unstuck but they didn't know that they had gone off course Mm -hmm. and so all of a sudden the oil rig and when we're talking about oil rigs drilling and stuff i mean they're like 150 feet high these are huge huge. oil like texas size oil rig kind of stuff and so as soon as that happened the oil rig that's in the middle of this lake like shifts like tilts and they're like holy fuck and so they like immediately obviously know something is wrong they get off the rig and they move to shore which was about 300 yards away so they were like really in the middle this is a nice house like right and they're sitting there and all of a sudden they watch this whirlpool start to happen and so let's see um it gets bigger and bigger and it sucks down the oil rig oh my god and because what's happened, because the water, it's only 14 inches, but it's in a salt mine. And so when the water hits the salt, the salt starts to, like, dissolve. Yeah. And so instead of being dirt and it just oh kind of God. erodes, I mean, it literally just starts to, like, dissolve. And so they watch this fast-moving whirlpool that ends up becoming a quarter of a mile in diameter oh, wow. start to suck in the rig. Um, they jump off. There were people in the salt mine working so they were like they hit at about 1300 feet there were people 1500 feet underneath that that were uh mining salt and so um all of a sudden they start to hear water come in underneath that and of course they're they did like what they were supposed to do. They start sounding the alarm to evacuate. So there's like 50 people in the salt mine at that time working and they were below where it had initially broke through, but there started like water started coming up to their knees oh, and everything. Wow. And so there's like in a mine when there's like an immediate evacuation, there's like three lights. Like you, you flash your light three times. That means like evacuate immediately if they don't like, if you're under there and you don't have walkie talkies or who knows how well those works mm-hmm. like under, you know, there. And so they started flashing and everybody started to go up to the elevator and the uh-huh. elevator of course was like at the 1300s on the third level, 1300. And it was completely flooded and so they couldn't use it. So they had to, luckily they had like another way to get out, but there was 50 people under there and the elevator only held eight people at a time. Oh my God. And it was very slow. So they had like little carts and stuff that they drove underneath. So like they had the guy flashing the lights and he's checking all the, um, you know, cause it's been open. It's a huge salt mine. It's been open since 1919. So there's like, all of this area that you like they bring cars to drive down there like little golf carts in there to drive down there um and he's checking to make sure like they get everybody out and so they all line up and they're being carried out um you know from like the 1300 level or whatever and up so while this is happening 
the vortex gets bigger and bigger. And like I said, it gets to be about a quarter of a mile. Oh, my God. I'm trying to imagine that. Like, I'm thinking of how big a quarter mile is. I'm yeah. Like, oh, my it, it's, God. Well, there's footage. And so I'm going to put that oh, up. Wow. So, uh, History Channel um, actually did a little segment on it because it's like one of the worst man-made, like, disaster kind of things that has happened. Um, so... We talked about the drilling plat. The original drilling platform obviously got sucked in. Eleven barges oh got sucked God. in the hole. Um, there was a so it's the lake is feeds into the canal that goes into the Gulf. Well, there was a tugboat that was in the canal, and it actually the vortex started to pull it backwards. And it's a tugboat. It's, it's used oh, to pulling wow. its load right, and so it. It was trying to escape, you know, the pool, and it couldn't. So everybody had to, like, jump off and get to shore. And so it pulled in the tugboat. Um, It also, so 11 barges, it sucked in 70 acres of soil from Jefferson Island. Eight, it sucked in multiple, like, 18-wheelers. Holy shit. There was, like, 150-foot pecan trees that had been there, like, forever that got sucked into it. It sucked in multiple structures. Um, It sucked in a parking lot. Uh, There was, like, a house that was on the um, island, I believe, that sunk, like, 50 feet during all of this process because it drained the fucking lake. Um, oh, wow. When it, like, when it was draining it and filling up the salt mine underneath and all the um, the different shafts, the water actually shot up from the opening of the um, salt mine, like, 400 feet up in the air. So it had, like, this huge geyser that all of a sudden happened. There was this poor old guy who was fishing that day. Oh, my God. <laughs> and... All of a sudden, you know, he's like, he looks over, he's like, at the time, it was like maybe a hundred foot across, like this hole that had opened up in the water and it was pulling his little fishing boat, his little aluminum fishing boat into it. And luckily a barge like upended and got stuck and it gave him enough time to take his boat and go to the nearest land and tie it up to a tree. And he got the hell out of there. But he says he looked back and his boat that was tied up to the tree got sucked into the vortex too and it took the tree and the boat and everything and he was like he's like you know he's like i thought it was the end of the world he's like you know this this 400 foot gush you know thing comes up and like this huge vortex and it's sucking all these huge structures and um vehicles into it and he's like, that is the last time I went fish. And he's like, I buy my fish from now on. <laughs> I don't know that I would leave my house. After, I mean, like, I mean, he was really, he was like, oh. I can see why you would think that'd be the end of the world. I mean, oh when does God. that happen? You when does turn that, around and all of a sudden, all, of a sudden, all the everything earth just starts it's just to sink swa- away. Right. And so the, it, they were on the piers because it sucked the piers in too. So it took three hours to completely drain this oh, massive, wow. like 1400 acre lake that estimate of like 3.5 billion gallons of water. Holy so shit. it, it went all into the hole and it was still because the canal which normally drains into the Gulf, was feeding it, what happened is the canal started to run backwards. So it's the only time that the Gulf literally ran north instead of draining to the south. And so what happened 
where the canal comes into this lake, a 150-foot waterfall happened. And it took like two days for the water from the Gulf to flow 12 miles, because it's a 12-mile canal from that lake to the Gulf to fill up that lake again. Holy shit. So it was two days um, of that happening. And from... That lake started out as like a freshwater lake that was only 10 feet deep, ended up being a 1,300 foot deep water salt lake. Wow. Um, and With a bunch of barges. Which, yeah, and they said after the, the second crown. day, they said after the second day, after everything equalized, after the canal filled up the lake again, that the barges started popping back up from the hole. Oh, weird. And I think that, I think maybe like seven to nine barges came back up, but um, they still like all the oil rigs, all the trucks, all everything else like was, is down in the flooded salt mines. Wow. And and it changed the whole like ecological habitat of like the lake. So now it's salt water. All freshwater plants died. All the freshwater fish died. Oh. And it's now you go saltwater fishing there instead. But they said it's not so much from the salt mine. It's from the waters from the Gulf flooding back in and filling up that lake. Backwash. Backwash. So n- like 14, 14 Dumb. inches. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 14 inch hole calls like just this massive like oops. Oh my god. To happen and like very memorable two days for that whole surrounding community community there. Holy shit. I so want to watch this history channel yeah. thing on this now. You like, know, I can't the, even imagine. But it was like nineteen eighty, so it's like nineteen eighty footage, so it wasn't the best. It's, I was sitting there thinking like if this was in the cell phone age, could you uh, imagine the drones? like it would be everywhere. Right. Like, everyone everybody would say but been... you know they did like they show the waterfall, they showed like the whirlpool that's happening wow. and they show like when it starts sucking down like the eighteen wheelers and everything uh-huh. like that. Um but yeah, just the craziest shit. And this is um, Lake Panier, 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 um, in Louisiana. That's insane. Isn't it crazy? I know. Did nobody died? Nobody. Was, oh, that's, that's another thing. Nobody died. died. Oh, Everybody, like, they followed their emergency plan. It was like, and, and I think they were just lucky. I think a lot of it got lucky. Um, a lot of, like, the people who were managing the salt mine were like, obviously very capable and we're watching out for their people and, you know, got everybody out in time and people, you know, I think they'll, I think there was three dogs that died. I know. But other than that, but can you fucking, I mean, just in general, because sinkholes happen all the time. And so I started going down the sinkhole hole, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Watching this on YouTube and it's fascinating and it's just like, it can happen at any time. And if you're just sitting there and you don't know, like, what's underneath the lake and what's it straining oh, yeah. into. And if you're, like, swimming or, I mean, 
it's just horrifying. So now I have a new fear. <laughs> oh my god, we're gonna be afraid of everything. <laughs> exactly. I'm almost, is there a lake. is there yeah snakes and lakes? Is there a salt mine under this lake? Have they been drilling? Yeah. What's going on? What are you doing? Oh lord! Well, when we lived in Florida, it was like sinkholes would just sit there and like just randomly eat the highway on a day. Right. You know, like, right. <laughs> so anyway, that's the strange thing I found happening or that happened in Louisiana that in the is... 1980s. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy mm. um i've been i've been i've been warning you all week <laughs> you have i'm just gonna like close my laptop i'm going heavy we're going heavy today <sighs> um <clears throat> which is not gonna sound like it because it's pride month and i was like <gasps> even in the south it's pride month it is so i was like we have to do like something something um, so yeah because i was excited it's pride month and it was like um you know it's like LGBTQ contributions to society, celebrate LGBTQ people. Right. Commemorate Stonewall Uprising, memorialize people who pass each year because of hate crimes, which is sad. Um, So Central Alabama's Pride Parade was in Birmingham on June 4th. And I have a couple of friends who went and like got little snaps and like Instagram videos of people's like kids standing on the front lines, waving their flags and everything like that, which was super cool. And uh, it was the biggest they've had yet, which oh, I didn't good. know. It was the biggest pride they've ever had in Central Alabama. No, honestly, I haven't seen that much about it, like, media-wise. I mean, not there isn't much. Yeah. Um, because, like, with the biggest they've had yet was 80 groups participating in it. The parade lasted about an hour, which right. is <laughs> shorter than the Gadsden Christmas Parade, unfortunately. Well, you know. Um, but, again, it was six years ago when it started, it lasted 10 minutes. Right. So that's something. No, right? progress. Absolutely. Um, so, uh Here's here's where it starts to get heavy. Oh shit. On the day of the Pride Parade, June 4th. This parade, June 4th? This past June 4th. Okay. Like as we are recording a couple weeks ago. Okay. Uh Trey Peters who was a JSU alum and a drama department alum was shot to death in Decatur, Georgia, um by two men who were trying to steal his backpack and when he refused to give it up, they yelled faggot at him when he wouldn't hand it over and they shot him to death. Oh my god. I did not hear about this. Yeah. He wasn't um he wasn't one that I knew personally real well but i'm one degree away from him and a lot of my friends were very like impacted by him in their lives and so i saw a lot about it immediately um and his funeral was just recently so um so georgia is one of four states in the united states that doesn't have any hate crime legislation oh my god i didn't even know that either georgia the only southern state that has zero hate crime legis none nothing at all we have more than they do oh wow but then i'm like okay so alabama arkansas mississippi north carolina south carolina and west virginia can't get on your high horse because none of you have hate crime laws that include lgbtq crimes Mm. so um you know they don't consider violence against against queer people violence in general right i mean seriously well and a lot of people have argued about that like why do you need hate crimes why does it have to be against specific people and i'm like Partly at this point, no. because it shows that you are like intent recognizing them as people, you know, and a lot of the time crimes against them aren't going to get prosecuted. Right. That's why racial hate crimes started. You know, I mean, it's just like right. it's to put a little bit of extra onus on people and like say, hey, yes, it's important that you did this and it sucks and you're an asshole and you're going to be prosecuted to the fullest extent right. of the law, which might be fuller because you're an extra asshole. Right. So, um, so anyway, so, um, 
We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, okay. Because our Jen, who is our good friend and listener who lives right. right around here, told us about this story a little while back, and I had never heard of it. And um, it happened not very far from where she grew up in Birmingham. And it's the crime that started the movement to get Alabama's hate crime law um, revised okay. to include um, LGBTQ people. So <clears throat> this was 20 years ago um, in February 1999. Um, Billy Jack Gaither was 39 years old. And um, he left the house that he lived in with his parents in Sylacauga, Alabama, to go to a local bar. Um, for those of you who aren't from around here, Sylacauga is like an industrial town. It's a fairly small town, um, outside of Birmingham. It's like Southeast, right? Like about an hour Southeast of Birmingham and it's the marble city. That's its nickname. Um, you know, Birmingham's the magic city. Sylacauga is a marble city, a lot smaller because it's, they, they mined white marble in Sylacauga for, they don't anymore, but it was famous apparently as right. Sylacauga marble. So that's why that is um, what it is. Billy's parents, like, he lived with them because his dad had had multiple heart attacks and strokes. And so they needed help. He had six. He was one of six um, siblings. And so he stayed at his parents' house. He cleaned for them. He cooked for them. Um, so uh, he went to church with them. He sang in the church choir. He was his parents' interior decorator. Um, and, you know, they were like, you know, he hung the 10 commandments on one side of the fireplace and you know, the last supper on the other and he did the way that they liked it. And there was a New York times article at the time that pointed out that like they went into Billy Jack's room and they said that it was like you were in another house when you walked in there because it was the one place where he actually had full control, had control and, mm -hmm. and his style was on display and he had pink chiffon curtains in his room. He had Scarlett O'Hara dolls that he collected at mm. antiques markets all over the South. Oh, that sounds amazing. And he had like gone with the wind posters and Rhett Butler and all this kind of stuff was his thing. And so that was how his room was decorated in like in 1999, pretty much nobody in Sylacauga was out. Right. Um, and like, you know, Anyone from the South, little towns in the South, probably yeah. sounds pretty familiar to yeah, you. Yeah, I, I doubt it. Yeah, much. <clears throat> right. So if you were gay in Sylacauga and you wanted to feel like to be with people who might get you or that you might like to get with or, you know, whatever, just feel like yourself, you go to Birmingham. There were like five gay bars at the time in Birmingham. And that was what you did. You, you know, you took off and went to the city, which wasn't that hard from Sylacauga. It's like an hour away. Right. Um, so, um. Somebody actually said even in Birmingham in 99, if you had held hands with a partner in the street, it would be like a death wish. Oh. So you still had to be really careful, even if you did that. Mm -hmm. um, so Billy Jack wasn't out, but while he wasn't out, he wasn't like, well, he wasn't out to his parents or his church for sure. Right. But he wasn't really in, you know, he was 39 years old. He... 39? He was 39. Wow. And he had taken, you know, he had a lot of time to kind of you know, be introspective and, you know, learn to be confident in himself. And so there were people who knew about Billy Jack and there was a community. So the tavern bar where he would hang out, um, the owner and several of the patrons knew that he was gay. His older brother, Ricky and his younger sister, Kathy, both knew that he was gay and they were supportive. Um, Ricky told frontline that, uh, there was an interview that they had with him that Billy had gotten to the point where he was good with who he was, you know, 39 again, he's, oh yeah, and, um, he wouldn't just walk up to somebody and be like, Hey, I'm gay. But he, right. you know, if somebody asked, he would tell them. Right. And so he was, 
everybody said he was a loving, helpful person. He liked to make people laugh. He wasn't, he wasn't like a pushover. He wasn't, you know, he was still a good Southern boy. I mean, like if somebody's going to push around his little brother, he's going to beat the shit out of the person who pushed around his little brother. He's right. not, you know, like, I guess a lot of people at that time probably would have assumed that because he was gay, he would have been like a quote unquote pansy. Right. Who they could just beat up. And he was not that guy. He right. was like, if he saw somebody doing something wrong to somebody else or to himself, he would stand up for himself. Right. So, um, February 19th, 1999, Billy Jack gets a call from this guy from town called Stephen Mullins. Stephen Eric Mullins was a 25 year old construction worker. He had a shaved head. He wore racist t-shirts, combat boots. I was like, come on. Don't knock combat boots. Like, I don't want to be associated with that shit. He flew rebel flags. He had Nazi symbology tattoos. I mean, he was like the whole nine. He was like all into it. Um, He bullied people in bars. He had gotten in trouble before for harassing black customers at local restaurants. I mean, this dude was a peach. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, But, you know, so I was like, why did he... yeah. Why why did he call him? And it's because Silicaga is a small town and there aren't that many people to hang probably out went with. To high they, school with or they something. They probably or, knew each other right? from when they were younger, at least a little bit, but they knew each other. Right. And you know, it's one of those things, like you know you're gonna have to live with these people. Right. So you tend to like I don't know, I think I, I since I moved south, I've kind of realized like we're all gonna be kind of around each other, even if we disagree. Right. You know, let's try and be friends you know right. i mean that's kind of one of those things that you do yeah. and i mean some people do it grudgingly and some people do it very sincerely you know it's like right let's learn about each other but anyway one way or another they knew each other um they had hung out before um steven said they'd gone off driving before billy jack would drive him places and they'd been at the tavern together, so they were clearly friendly enough that Billy Jack was okay with it when this guy called him and asked him to drive him to the bar to hang out that night, like 7 p.m. It sounds <clears> like <throat> he was kind of using... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, so Billy Jack goes and gets him, and they go drive it, and he had a six-pack in the car, and they were like, you know, they drove around for about an hour and a half, and they split the six-pack. And um, they make a couple stops, and then they pick up this guy that people always called Steve's little sidekick was Charles Butler. He was at like a pool tournament at one of the other bars and they stopped and picked him up. And then they kind of went out, drove around for a while. And after a bit, they end up at this area that locals called the watersheds, um, where there was like, you know, a boat launch that people could get on. And Charlie called it like the place where folks would go and have a good time. And so they all got out of the car when they got there and Steve just turns around, he grabs Billy Jack, he throws him to the ground, and he cuts his throat with a pocket knife. Holy fuck! What? So you've heard, like, the homosexual panic defense, right? Before where men say, like, oh my god, he propositioned he made me, a pass and I went me. into this, like, right? righteous holy rage, and I could not control myself from just beating the Ooh. shit out of him. Bullshit. That was one of... And I was like, wow, you have no respect for yourself at all, if that's the way you respond to somebody hitting on you. But, um... That's what Charles said happened in that instance. Like the little sidekick dude said that that Billy Jack propositioned them and Steve and him got so pissed off that they just just What happens to the good old fuck you and leave? Yeah, seriously. That's what And one of the things is I'm like, too, man, y'all called him and took him. I like I don't know. Yeah. It's one of those things where I'm like, this there's there's odd stuff with this story. Billy Jack was still driving, it was his car. And he had picked them up and they were driving around and they'd, they'd parked at this place and gotten out. And then, you know, they, they'd gotten out of the car and then Steve just attacked him. And um, <clears throat> it was like later. So Charlie said that it was like the homosexual panic defense. And S- 
Steve Mullins kind of went that way, too. But multiple times during his first interview with police, he said he had been planning this for weeks. Mm. And they were like, why? And he said, just because he's queer. I mean, that was his whole reasoning that he offered to the police. Like when they when they got him the first time. Mm. Um, attorneys at trial said that they had heard that Billy Jack and Steve had had some sort of a relationship mm-hmm. before. That Steve had had some sorts of relationships with other men before in town. And that... Um, they had also kind of proposed it was possible that Steve, I mean, Steve was broke. There's right. no question that Steve, he couldn't even go into one of the bars they stopped at because he didn't have like $20 to pay back some dude that owed him, you know, and, um, or that he owed. And so attorneys suggested that like Steve was broke and had been giving blowjobs for money to get by right. and had promised Billy Jack that they would have a threesome if they went out to the spot mm. and something, whether it was Billy Jack wasn't interested in like doing a pay for play thing or whether Charlie wasn't interested in participating, but something went wrong. And so and it had to end in balance. Right. Um, and that was just, like I said, that was like an attorney, like introduced right. concept. But um, so that happened. Um, so whatever the reason is, he, with a pocket knife, seriously, like he cut, oh he cut his throat with a pocket knife. He stabbed him twice in the ribs. That just makes me want to throw up. Right. To, to try and like incapacitate him basically billy jack tries to get up like i told you he he was not just gonna sit back and let shit happen to him so the two of them worked together and muscled him into the trunk of the car Mm. he's already been cut Mm -hmm. and um so then they drive him around with him in the trunk of the car and pick up tires and kerosene and an axe handle from somebody's house and they go off to this um secluded creek they pull out the tires they douse them in kerosene on the creek bank and Charlie is like lighting up the tires. So Steve goes back to the trunk and pulls Billy Jack out and throws him on the ground. And when he turns around to see how the fire is coming on, Billy Jack gets up and knocks Steve down the creek bank into the creek. Oh. And um, I'm telling you, man, he was not going to go down. Like he was going to fight his way out of this. Steve like sputters his way back up. He looks around. Charlie's gone. And Billy Jack, it turns out, has hit Charlie, too. And when Steve realizes Billy Jack has, is laying across the two front seats because he's basically like worn himself out and he's trying to start the car. And um, Steve catches him and he pulls him out backwards by his pant legs and um, takes the axe handle and beats him until the front seat is bloody. Mm. And he runs out of energy. And then meantime, Charlie comes back. They pick up Billy Jack and they throw him on the pile of burning tires. Uh. And one, the original reports on this say that they that he he had been beaten to death in the car. The autopsy report said that there was smoke in his lungs. Oh no! And they stood there and watched him burn for a couple minutes by their own admission before they drove off to burn his car to burn the evidence. What the fuck is wrong with people? So like, and like I said, the statement of Stephen Willis was they the attorney asked him why, and he said just because he was queer. And this happened a year after the Matthew Shep. I mean. I didn't know this story. Right. I didn't know Billy Jack Gaither. There were um, protests and vigils for Billy Jack Gaither up and down the country. I mean, in Alabama, all the way up to New York City. There was a march called a political funeral that they called it political funeral in New York City for Billy Jack Gaither. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe I didn't, I had never heard it. But I think Matthew Shepard, I had heard. Like Laramie, Mm -hmm. you know, that had happened just the year before this. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um... So both men who were involved confessed to the killing. Steve Mullins used the homosexual panic defense. Is that a fucking defense? I it mean, used is to it, be. Is it like... Oh. 
it used to be a like a commonly, I think, a commonly accepted defense in court. Wow. And it no longer is used, like, primarily. I mean, I hope it's no longer used. I, I know it would be less frequently now. But right. um, he pulled that, and he was like, I just couldn't control my rage. Ugh. And um, he pled guilty, though, to avoid the death penalty, because they said they were going to send him to the chair. Right. And um, he was sentenced to life without parole. Butler rejected a plea deal that would have done the same for him, because he said that he assisted, but he wasn't the one who actually killed him. And um, he was ended up being convicted and sentenced to life. Now, he was sentenced to life without parole instead of death because Billy Jack Gaither's father said, I will not send a man to die. Mm. And that was the only thing that spared him. Wow. Because the like the prosecution showed that he had all these chances where he could have gone and gotten help. Right. Like he could have done something. So he can't just he can't just stand there and say, like, oh, I'm not the one who actually like, like pulled the beat trigger, him to death. Right. Yeah. Um, because he basically did. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. agreeing to do that when right. you don't stand up and do something. So um the I guess unhappy ending to the story. Stephen Mullins was actually stabbed to death this past March. Oh wow! Uh, a month after he had killed Billy Jack Gaither, Gaither twenty years in a month, um, while he was serving his life sentence at St. Clair Correctional Facility, he was forty-five years old. Wow. Um, I hope and, it was some big queen that just like took him out. I don't. And it was it was one of those like the the, the part about the story that like was really focused on by the media. I think was like that that you know a. Alabama prisons are like notoriously understaffed right mm -hmm. now. I mean, people who work there are having to really struggle to right. get their basic jobs done. And they had said right. that, that Steve Mullins had asked for protection multiple times and had been denied and, um, or not denied, but just hadn't gotten protection from this other inmate and had been stabbed in despite of that. Um, but again, you know, no, I mean, those guys who work at those prisons are really struggling to right. get their jobs done because right. they don't have. Yeah, we know people who work at those prisons and they're working hard as fuck. And, you know, um, but anyway, so I didn't want to end this story exactly with like, oh, God, it all sucks, even though that's what it feels like. But like same sex, same sex marriage was legalized. That's a good thing. I'm like, hey, let's right? look for good things in 2015, though. Um, you know, we're assholes and we didn't actually start doing it right away. Um, <laughs> but like since since that, actually, local um, LGBT groups and, and groups like PFLAG and support groups and stuff, they've had like a lot of growth. So there are more people out there who are su supportive than I think a lot of folks think there are. Right. I mean, especially from out from outside and inside the South. I think there are a lot of folks that think there's just no support for LGBTQ people. And it's not true. Right. Um. But, you know, I say that and then I'm like, but, but on the same day, on June 4th, the day that Trey was killed and the day that they had the Central Alabama Pride Parade, Kay Ivey signed a bill abolishing all marriage licenses in the state of Alabama so that the counties who didn't want to sign same sex marriage licenses didn't have to do it. And so this, that it's like, I don't want to say that it's like, horrible. we're getting better because and it is, it is getting, it is getting better. But, you know, like I said, most, most states in the South don't include LGBTQ people in their hate crime laws. And the, the whole movement to change that in Alabama started with Billy Jack Gaither. Right. So there was a, there's been a vigil every year at the state Capitol to demand that the law be changed. It's 20 years now that they've been doing it. Patricia Todd, the state representative, Patricia Todd tried to get it amended years and years and years, and it has never gone through. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is fucking ridiculous. And I, I want to say, like, this is not what we have to be. Like, one of the things about the South is that there are more, like I said, there's more people who are supportive 
than we may think. But a lot of the case, there's like sort of a weird unspoken, especially with some older people. There's right. an unspoken like don't ask, don't tell policy that they expect people to, you know, acquiesce to. Like, just don't tell me about it. But if you tell me about it, I can't like you anymore. There's right. some there is some of that. Oh, yeah. But there are a lot of people who are just scared because they think that there are more people that are going to be assholes to them for supporting. Well, they're fucking scared for their lives. I mean, people that you've grown up with all of your life slits your throat all of a sudden for. But it's like, and I know. And I'm like, and, oh, and you but don't that know, was but, 1999. But, the, but then Trey Peters is like, right. You know, but you don't know who those people are. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, obviously he thought they were his friends and whatever circumstances going on, you know, whether, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. You just don't know. So I understand like the need for them being cautious, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, is, I would never question a person being closeted in the South right. because of a history like this. There is no, I mean, it's, right. and it's a personal decision anyways. I mean, right. It's not, it's not like you have to be out, but I mean, but the people who are supportive do. Oh, and that's right. The, that was that what I true. wanted. I was like, if this isn't the South, you want it to be. Don't let it be. That's not who you are. That's not who we have to be. And we're better than that. And until everybody who thinks so starts making their neighbors a little bit uncomfortable right. by saying, no, you can't make that joke in front of me. No, right. I have friends. No. You know, what if that would, what if that was my kid? Right. You or know, your no, kid. it's not okay that right? this kid just killed himself because of homophobic bullying. No, it's not okay for you to make jokes about that shit. No, right. it's not okay. Until we start being louder about that. That's the South we are. Right. So I like, that I guess that was it. Just that's that's the end of my thing. It's like you know what? If that's not what you like, people are dying. Go fucking say something about it. Right. And um, that's how you change. Exactly. So. And I love your shirt. It says "Believe in a Better South." Better Southerner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's our show, I guess. Oh, that was heavy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. But no, I mean, I think I think you're exactly right. I mean, you need to bring those kind of things. I mean, to the forefront and. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I'm going to drink the rest of my drink now. <laughs> okay. Pride month. Pride, Pride month. We love you. Yes. Exactly. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> we Bye. Haven't, we haven't come up with a closing yet. Uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, if you have an idea for how we should close our show, <laughs> we're very awkward about closing because we like we know we should close with something, but we have no idea. Yeah, we need a catchphrase. So if you've got ideas, just hit us up because right. we ain't got it yet. Exactly. So <laughs> bye. Talk to later. Bye. <laughs> so Marlea, you're all the time talking about this goat house bar in Montgomery that you went to and had this fantastic time. I so know, right? tell me about it. So the goat house beer garden is where I like to go when I'm in Montgomery because I could like I, I go, I see a show, I visit Jackson Island where the big fish set is, or I protest stupid fucking decisions of our government. <laughs> and the goat house is the place where I like to go while I'm doing it. Well, that's awesome. I've also heard that the goat house highlights local artists, singers, songwriters, makers, chefs, brewers, and entrepreneurs, which that's us, right? It's For true. all those things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they intentionally support only original content because they truly believe that communities begin, grow, and sustain when creatives and entrepreneurs thrive. What a fantastic idea. It is a fantastic idea. It's a great atmosphere. It's great company. It's a lot of fun. And it's less than 10 minutes from Hank Williams' grave, which is haunted. So oh. the next time you go to say hey to old Hank, go stop by the Goat House Beer Garden. Amazing. Yep. Follow us on Facebook at The Strange South, Instagram at The Strange South Podcast, or on Twitter at Strange South Pod. 
and check out our website, thestrangesouth.com. And for extra fun and goodies, join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast. Okay. The Goat House Beer Garden in Montgomery is my favorite place to go. Oh my God, I can't. Hold on. (laughs) I'm glad because I can't fucking see my screen. That was so, that was so bad.